I'm Danny Valentino, and welcome to Crypto on the Beat, a podcast that explores the relationship between music and cryptocurrency. Every episode, we break down the latest news in the space and are joined by some of the players on the cutting edge of these new trends that are helping to reshape our world. This is Crypto on the Beat. Coming up on this episode of Crypto on the Beat, all the headlines making waves in today's digital economy, plus my interview with Roniel Rumberg, who went from mining crypto in college a decade ago to co-founding his own Web3 music streaming platform, looking to put power back in the hands of the artists. Any and all code changes made to the network actually have to run through a token holder vote. So, you know, it's not, like you said, it's not possible for us to just carte blanche say, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna change the discovery algorithm to uh, favor X given artist because we like that artist, right? That is not possible for me to do that. The token holder base around Audius controls the destiny of, of this thing, right? It's not in the hands of any individual or, or any company. We'll get into all that and more in the full conversation coming up in just a bit. But first, let's check out some headlines. Warner Music Group has launched Rhythm City, the first of its kind music-themed social role-play experience on Roblox. Now users can choose from a variety of different roles, including DJ, producer, dancer, and many others, to bond with friends, compete in challenges, and even meet their favorite artists. Rhythm City is also going to host us some virtual concerts and events featuring Warner artists. Now this just launched on Saturday, so looking forward to hearing much more about this project in the coming days, weeks, and months. Google has introduced a new AI program that can create music in any genre from a simple series of text commands. It's called Music LM, and the results so far are exciting, uh, if not a bit terrifying. The music can be layered, featuring instrumentation with vocals if desired. Now, Google has no plans to release this to the public just yet, but with the sudden popularity of ChatGPT, Google is considering moving up its release schedule for many of its AI projects. Amazing. The NFL has announced a first-of-its-kind virtual concert for Super Bowl weekend with hip-hop star Sweetie set to perform inside Roblox on Friday night. Now, the show will be free to all and will go down uh, Friday at 7 o'clock East Coast time, and this will replay every hour leading up to kickoff of Sunday's big game. And after an extended downturn, looks like Bitcoin and other major cryptocurrencies are starting to rise once again. The world's largest cryptocurrency was up around 40% for the month of January, with Ethereum not far behind, rising a little bit more than 30%. While last year was largely a year to forget for crypto investors, this year seems to be off to a much better start. Excited to welcome uh, to today's show uh, a man who is uh, very early to crypto, legend has it, mining coins while still in college uh, about a decade ago. He's a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he's done some VC work uh, in the crypto space and most recently uh, co-founded Audius, a new Web3 music streaming platform seeking to put power back into the hands of the artists and creators. Let's welcome Roniel Rumberg to Crypto on the Beat. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. So happy to have you here. Uh, legend has it, you're a big dance music fan. That is correct. My uh, co-founder, Audius Forrest, and I, uh, you know, our, our whole friend group in college coalesced around dance music. There was something 
something really special happening in that community uh, in 2011, 2012 that kind of has has continued through the past decade. So it was and it still feels like the golden era for those creators. And it's been so fun to be an indirect part of it. You took the words right out of my mouth, a golden era uh, for dance music. I also host a daily show here on BPM. You may or may not know, it's our dance channel here. Many of the artists on that channel, interestingly enough, I've been able to feature on this show. I mean, because they're crypto savvy, uh, Blau, Steve Aoki, uh, for starters. I mean, it seems like dance music might just be the uh, most crypto savvy genre of music for uh, whatever reason, right? I think it's just the most technologically savvy area of music. And that's what led that community into, uh, I think, crypto first as, as well. You know, even if you think about how those creators typically found their first fans and, and broke out, they were uh, making cool beats, cool music in their bedrooms. And that content went viral in, in one place or another, and that launched their careers. So they had to be, you know, doing all these things themselves and uh, highly kind of technically savvy towards those ends. And I think that just led naturally to uh, to those folks getting excited about crypto too, right? Something I've generally noticed, like the average dance musician has a um, far smaller team around them in proportion to their scale and you know size as, as an artist um, compared to artists in a lot of other areas. So they're just more on top of new tech and I think able to seize these things. For sure. So we're both big dance fans. We've established that. I'd love to get into some wild club and festival stories. Maybe we'll save that uh, for another episode. But let's get a little background on you if we can. Early adopter of Bitcoin and crypto. I mean, just tell us a bit about some of the work you were doing before you arrived uh, at Audius. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've been kind of in and around crypto, uh, gosh, I guess for the last 10 years or so. So as you said, I got my start mining various S-Crypt tokens in 2013 onwards, when you could still profitably mine uh, things like Dogecoin and Litecoin and the like on GPU hardware before you know ASICs had kind of displaced that. And that was actually where I, I first really uh, started to get excited about crypto. I was a computer science student in 2014, built a uh, little peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin payment wallet. Think like a Venmo for Bitcoin is how I describe it. Um, didn't really end up getting enough traction to uh, become a going concern. So we wound down and then uh, I ended up at a venture firm Kleiner Perkins and I was covering crypto there for, for a couple of years. But I kind of got the itch to uh, to go back to building stuff and left and, and then that ended up leading to, uh, to Audius. So yeah, summarizing all of that, uh, I would say I just enjoy enjoy building, making things. And, uh, uh, you know, Audius has been such a... Uh, such an incredible ride over the last five years getting to build something for uh, for a community that's very near and dear to my heart and, and to yours, I guess, too. For sure. Um, and I think to kind of fill in uh, part of the story, which is important as well, you were a big SoundCloud guy, which makes sense because I think anybody who was a dance music fan was. They started making all those changes in the mid-2010s, and that was, I think, a big part of what inspired you to try and create something better. I mean, just first of all, in your words, for those who may not know what happened at SoundCloud, just kind of if you could summarize it and then talk about how, you know, you personally felt moved to try and create something better. And it definitely set you on the path towards Audius. So for, for everyone's context, there was kind of an exodus of SoundCloud users that started in 2014 or, or so. And um, it really hasn't let up, I think, in, in that time. You know, when you talk to folks in music, if you reminisce for the era of like 2012 to 2013 SoundCloud, everyone will, will kind of know what you're what you're talking about. There's just this really special 
energy in that community, excitement and engagement that was happening. A lot of people have different opinions on on what led to that exodus happening. Uh, what I saw and what I saw happening with my favorite creators was SoundCloud made a number of uh, policy decisions that that ended up adversely affecting the uh, community members that were there at that time in favor of more institutional players that were coming onto the network. So SoundCloud you know, rolled out a rapid series of changes there with very little transparency or, or understanding from the community of what was happening. Um, and people just broadly, I think as a, as a result of these things felt SoundCloud didn't really have their back. That was really the uh, kernel of idea that led to to Audius. With Audius, we said, how can we break that cycle? And, and the conclusion we came to was uh, uh, the artists and creators that make a platform valuable, exciting, important, need to be the ones that are in control of the destiny of, of that platform as well, right? Um, they need to be in a, a position to actually be decision makers around these policy things and and everything else right and again like i don't think it's about getting every one of those decisions right off the bat mistakes are bound to happen it's it's more about the community having uh, uh not just a seat at the table but controlling the the table right and uh uh that by virtue of that having the transparency and accountability that comes from working in public around these issues yeah, this this is what makes that you know the the system so interesting to me in particular, right? So it's a it's a streaming platform. If you go to it, it may look similar to some of the other ones that you've seen out there. There's some well known artists that are already uh, posting regularly. You know, many in EDM. We've talked about Dead Mouse is is there, um, but also names like Katy Perry and and Jason Derulo, I believe. But uh, you have a token, right? The audio token, and you're talking about having the users get a seat at the table, it's a governance token, I, I, I think I would call it. So any changes that are going to be made to the network it, are going to be voted on and decided on by the users, both the creators and, you know, me, let's say, if I'm consuming music. So it's not like, you know, you and Forrest, the founders are calling the shots. It's the users who are actually deciding uh, the major decisions at the company. And I think that's the beauty of Web3. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's a, a big part of what you were going for, right? exactly right. So the uh, token kind of has three functions within the network. It secures the network. So all the people who are running the infrastructure that powers the network, be it hosting content, indexing content, the various interfaces for interacting with that content, they uh, stake these tokens to be able to run those. And then they get to uh, earn rewards from the network in exchange for that to, to support the effort that they're doing. So it secures the network, governs the network, as you said. So any and all code changes made to the network actually have to run through a token holder vote. So, you know, it's not like you said, it's not possible for us to just carte blanche say, oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to change the discovery algorithm to uh, favor X given artist because we like that artist, right? That is not possible for me to do that. It's also not possible for us to create kind of the, uh, you know, pay to play type of situations around discovery that we've seen happen um, in, in other platforms, right? The last pillar there that I, I think is a really interesting one is feature access. So the token as a uh, creator on Audius, if you earn a, a sufficient number of tokens, you can actually get access to um, more distribution tools that consume network resources. So it's kind of like an anti-spam mechanism that exists there. But yeah, those three pillars together, in our eyes, it really means that the token holder base around Audius 
controls the destiny of, of this thing, right? It's not in the hands of any individual or, or any company. You launched the mainnet. It's been, I guess, a little bit more than two years now. You've got, I think, something like seven and a half million monthly users, which is you know not insignificant. More than 100,000 artists uh, have signed up for this thing. And a couple of major developments, which, I mean, just tell me how significant this, this is for you. I mean, you, you partnered with TikTok uh, last year, which had to be huge. And then I think even just uh, a week, 10 days ago, you got the token listed on Coinbase. I mean, you know, just so that means that, sure, I'm using the platform, I can get a reward, I create on the platform, I can get a reward, but, you know, anybody else can go on Coinbase and buy it, you know, and sell it, this is not financial advice, of course, uh, alongside Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, I mean, so, so you know, between TikTok and Coinbase over the past, you know, little while, you know, that has to tell you that you're doing something right, I would imagine. TikTok was a really, a really interesting one. So, so for everyone's context, what that partnership entailed was as an audience artist, if you uh, have already shared content with metadata, et cetera, you can directly export that to uh, be usable in TikTok as well. So we had heard, you know, there's a surprising amount of complexity for getting raw audio into TikTok, like high fidelity audio. We'd even heard of artists in our community doing things like holding their phone up to the speaker on their laptop and like <laughs> playing their own music to then record it back into uh, a TikTok. So it's just a really straightforward opportunity to say, hey, we already, you know, we already have all this tooling set up in Audius, like maybe that can be useful to TikTok. And it turned out that it was. So yeah, that was that was a really fun project to um to work through broadly the uh, momentum that we have around the uh, audience community has just been awe-inspiring, humbling to see, right? When you can go to users and actually say, hey, like if you, if you help make this thing successful, you are enfranchised in that success, right? Like if you share content here that performs well, if you help curate playlists here that that perform well, um, the network actually will reward you with audience tokens. And, uh, you know, that that's such a, uh, it's such a powerful thing. And when people see that, and, and when they are enfranchised in, in that manner, they're really motivated to help this whole community and, and movement be successful, right? Sure. Now, one you know topic of conversation we've had on this show quite a bit with many creators. Uh, I would say you know up and coming in many cases, but you know it's pretty obvious the economics of the music industry are broken. It's an antiquated system that really needs some updating. We've seen other platforms that have popped up, uh, you know, through use of NFTs or maybe selling a percentage of a song or an album directly to the fans uh, to try and help monetize eliminating middlemen. You know, these are different ways to maybe help uh, creators. What what is Audius's positioning, and, and how does the service potentially help uh, maybe an up and coming artist in a way that uh, you know trying to get on, say, Spotify or, or Apple Music wouldn't? There's a lot of finger pointing and and blame shifting that happens in music today around you know why this question of like why aren't artists making uh, making enough to to earn a living and and to put food on on their table as much as streaming as a business model arguably saved the music industry in in the 2010s there's an inherent flaw to to this dynamic that new business models need to emerge to to address you know if uh, if Spotify were to pay 100% of the revenue that it took in to, to artists, the value of a stream would still only be about uh, six-tenths of a cent in that scenario. Um, there's just not enough money coming into the streaming side. It's, it's not 
fighting over how to divide a pie that's just too small is not a uh, productive exercise, right? There's no one at fault for for that. Um, I just think streaming was a transitional business model towards, you know, what will ultimately uh, uh, come to dominate in, in digital. And that future of digital monetization for for music is uh, fan segmentation and, and direct fan engagement around that. So the next year or two is going to be really exciting, I, I think, because there is a, enough of a uh, base of large artists on, on audience that are starting to experiment with monetization here and monetizing that direct fan engagement that we're going to see some really cool things happening. It's just a really exciting time. There's a greater willingness than ever, I think, among creators and rights holders to engage on and experiment with these new business models. What we basically have is a constant amount of money coming into these streaming ecosystems that's being further and further fragmented and subdivided among a greater and greater number of artists and, and great content. And that's a great thing to be celebrated, right? There are more artists than ever now able to create and distribute amazing content. But you can see that where this math breaks down, where there's just the amount being paid in is not growing at the same rate as the number of plays happening and the amount that needs to be paid out accordingly. Right. But it's just, it is, you know, you, you've summed it up pretty nicely. It is an exciting time to see things being created, to see up and coming artists uh, having their lives changed where before they had no avenue to put music out. And now all of a sudden they can put it out directly to the people and make a livable wage. And all of a sudden, you know, this is like really starting to work for them. It's exciting. Something else we're watching and you you just got involved in the space yourself uh, end of last year is virtual concerts, metaverse, things like that. And uh, you recently purchased uh, a company. You're looking to get into the space. I mean, just tell us a little bit about that and, you know, your thoughts on, on the future of uh, seeing concerts in the metaverse. Yeah, so we're really excited about all forms of digital fan engagement and live, uh, I think, will be a, a huge part of that future. So the audience ecosystem acquired this company called Soundstage late last year, and it's a really, really neat product experience making a virtual concert more interactive, you know, rather than being broadcast a virtual concert as an attendee, you can actually move around a virtual space and uh, interact with other fans. You can actually interact with the artists too, which is which is kind of cool. There's this uh, spatial audio setup that, you know, depending on how close you are to other individuals or to uh, the artist, for example, in virtual space that will kind of amplify and direct your voice accordingly to kind of simulate that feeling of being in person. It's just felt like a no-brainer to uh, augment the engagement mechanisms that already exist in in audience. So really excited to see people people play with that more. I love the idea, by the way, that you're going to let people move around in the space um, because we've seen good virtual concerts. We've seen not so good virtual concerts. I think giving people the freedom to, to you know, actually participate in the show, you know, I think that's cool. It sounds like um, something we'll look forward to. Yeah. I mean, you, you all know the experience of being at a live show. There's just this energy. That's like, I mean, that's that's really what keeps you coming. Our our hope is that we can uh, we can at least capture some of that magic. Yeah, I think everybody's in agreement. Nothing is ever going to replace live and the feeling you get from you know being with fifty thousand of your closest friends, experiencing it. But however, people who are geographically challenged, whatever the case may be, this will be a great uh, complement to that. One more thing I do want to touch on. This has been a very interesting conversation. Uh, I don't think you guys are involved in the space yet, but you may uh, you may have to be because it seems to be all the rage here in twenty twenty three is is AI somehow. We've seen all sorts of uh, rapid development here in music as well. And there are some streaming platforms, I don't think here in North America just yet, but definitely international, that are 
creating music. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, maybe chat GPT writing lyrics. I'm talking about stuff that mimics the human voice and then posting songs like this up to the platform. And in some cases, they're getting hundreds of millions of streams. Just I'd love to get your thoughts on AI generated music. And and is this something that you can see becoming a big part of the future of the industry? I wasn't very impressed by a lot of what I had seen around generative music until very recently. I don't know if you saw this uh, model that Google released a little while ago. Yeah, like you described, I mean, it actually was able to generate vocals in a track that sounded like a real human being. I think I'm still collecting my thoughts there, but imagine if you could have AI-generated transitions between songs in a DJ set, or you could make it possible for anyone and everyone to DJ um, all the way to being able to create from whole cloth like music that's actually pleasing, interesting to listen to. If history is any guide, the music industry is often reluctant early on to engage with new technologies, but the artists in, in music... Are t- tend to be at the vanguard of engaging with these things. And I think in the next you know few months to year, we're going to start to see artists doing really creative, incredible things with these tools, right? And I, I think that human plus AI combination is going to spark a new wave of artists in the same way that tools like Ableton led to a new wave of artists just because creating music was so accessible. You could foresee a world where, um, you know, an, an artist could effectively just be curating, you know, the output from these AI tools and creating amazing things just by like, coming up with weird and new ways to prompt them, right? We're a long ways away from that, but I'm very excited to see it all play out. I appreciate you coming on the show, Roniel Rumberg with Audius. Just to ask, uh, you know, let's say three to five years from now, best case scenario for you with the company, where do you see Audius fitting in and how big of a piece uh, of the music industry do you think you can become? Yeah, so the the future we really envision here is a music industry that's built atop this direct engagement economy. And what I mean by that is where artists and fans are able to financially engage directly with one another, purchase access to content, purchase access to concerts, goods, experiences, everything in that vein. Uh, But where every creator and the the rights holders and and teams that sometimes exist around them uh, is able to have this vertically integrated business that they operate, where they control that full stack of of distribution from bottom to top. And, And part of that is earning a better take rate. Uh, But part of that is also being able to control pricing to actually uh, maximize the amount of uh, income that can be generated. So music today in aggregate is a $42 billion a year industry and artists capture about 12% of that total, which is just insane. So 88% of the money broadly being made in, in music, and that's across live merch, recorded music, like kind of, you know, put it all, all together. There are two ways to look at that situation, right? One is to say, wow, artists are earning so little, they really should be earning more of a percentage of that. And I think that's accurate. But I actually think the uh, more interesting perspective on the problem is, wow, gaming is a multi hundreds of billions of dollar a year industry. Why is music still so small? 
my take there would be because the marketplaces through which music is being bought and sold are extremely regimented controlled. There's only one way to distribute music. And and our belief is that expanding uh, pricing power and and creating this kind of analog uh, pricing mechanism rather than the digital pricing effectively that streaming has today, you can considerably expand that market while also increasing uh, uh, the take rate that that artists are able to take home. Great food for thought. And uh, we're going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, Ronil Rumberg. Uh, he is the co-founder and CEO at Audius. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. That was my conversation with Ronil Rumberg, co-founder and CEO of Audius. Very interesting to hear him talking about the evolution of music tech, going all the way back to the MySpace days, and then SoundCloud, and of course, all the exciting things happening today. Now, Roniel, just one of many who seem to recognize the inefficiencies in today's music industry and has taken matters into his own hands to try and make things better for creators and artists. Also enjoyed his take on AI in music, which is definitely turning into a major story here in 2023. It's been a great run for Audius so far, and uh, I'm excited to see just how big a player in the industry it can become. Special thanks to everyone who makes Crypt on the Beat possible. Sarah Bentley, Roger Coletti, Bill Crandall, Jen Derwin, Emily Doherty, Mike Spinella, and Chris Watherspoon. I'm your host, Danny Valentino. Crypto on the Beat is a Sirius XM production. Sirius XM Podcasts.